<laughs> yeah, daddy-o. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey. We can't we can't do that again. We can't we can't go right, right back to Randy Savage. We cannot. No. Um You know what sucks, man? I was we were getting ready to turn the mics on and um I was like, all right, I'm just gonna take these my earbuds out, you know, so I can, you know, talk, talk to Dustin and I was about to put them on the floor like I usually do, and I'm like, eh, you know, next time that last time that bothered me for some reason. I put them over here in this space I cleared out over to my left here, and I did it and the earbud went right into my f- Flipping coffee. <laughs> I was like, oh, pee pee. And I just pulled it out and and just sort of. <sighs> I'll be like a little earwax in your coffee. <laughs> no, they're very clean. I just don't want coffee ruining the the earbuds and forcing me to, to buy a new right. pair. Um, it's not right. the germs that concern me that <laughs> the coffee I'm drinking now. It's 100% the money uh, right, right. that's bothering me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, there was a time years ago, I still remember this. Um, I put on, I don't know what episode it is. People will never be able to find it, uh, unless they're a true fan, but, um, the (laughs) true believers, true believers, um, you know, he died. It was like a year ago today, right? Or yesterday. Uh, Yesterday, I think. Yeah. Oh boy. Sad times. Yeah. Um, anyway, the beginning of the episode, uh, I, I smacked myself in the face with my headphones. <laughs> it was one of the first episodes you ever did with me. It was like the second or third time you were on. Mm. Um, and the only reason I remember this is because I did it again the other day at work. <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> I thought I broke my glasses. Oh. Yeah. Um, also, something I thought was fun. I uh, just sort of was, you know, screwing around while uh, – on Facebook or something. And I saw, and it's gone now, of course, but they found like, like a month ago or so, there was like this star that Kellen would love this. Of course. Um, Mm -hmm. there was a star that got slung out of a black hole, like going Mm. super fast. And it was, I think it was like 20, they said like 29,000 light years away, but they said cosmically that's like really close. (laughs) Oh, wow. But so like some black hole, wherever the nearest one is just like, they're watching it like, doop a doo that's just black hole. And then like, Oh, what's that? And it's a star. And it's just going, no, just like it's (laughs) flung out of it. And, um, and they pretty much said, like, after they described like, Oh, I was kind of close, but uh, it's not going to hit us. So that's good. Cause I'm sure it would, 100% 100% in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But scientists were pretty much like, actually, this is really cool because we suspected that, that black holes w- did that. And so now we know. Mm. I was like, what the fuck? You, <laughs> you knew this could happen? Like, yeah, but now like we've seen it. Isn't that awesome? It's like, oh, you guys are. Wow. You guys are That's intense. crazy. Yeah. We were talking about yeah. this like yesterday. Not that, but we were talking about what happened if the, what would happen if the sun burned out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I told everyone at work about it. I went to work mm-hmm. and I said, you know what I was talking about this morning? And we went through it. And then at the, it was the same result. Everyone at the end was like, wow. Yeah, that, that well, sucks. Yeah, that's – keep our fingers it's, crossed. It, it, yeah, it's it's essentially like signing a death certificate. Like you're I, done. I know. <laughs> as soon as I saw like, you know, you know star slingshotted, I thought like, oh – like it's probably coming right at us. That's why this is being reported. <laughs> like, the first right, thing I right. thought was, "Oh, it's going right for us." 
or it's going right for the sun. Yeah, it'll. With my luck, it'll hit the the, the damn bayway directly <laughs> <laughs> on, on my way to work. Uh, what is this now? Oh, it's a it's a star. <laughs> just a star crashed into uh, into the bayway right right at the right at the Wallace Tunnel. Yeah. Ugh. Um, all right. Well, I guess we started, Dustin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Hi, man. Um, hey. <laughs> uh, that's just a little uh, speed round of what's been going on in the world. That that's not much. Not much to do with the show. Teaser. A teaser. Welcome. <laughs> that, that's our cold open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when Kevin spilled the chili. Can you imagine five minutes of talking about just random bullshit, and then I play, and then I play the music? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Now, um, have you are you a subscriber to Disney Plus yet? Not yet. So I like you know I'm I, I'm in right right at the ground floor here, and yeah, yeah. so a couple things I noticed right off the bat. Um, so mm-hmm. one, uh, I'm not going to critique the service right now, but there's definitely a few things that are not present in it that I mm-hmm. definitely wish were in it. Um, mm-hmm. For example, it does not ask you when you start a film, hey, do you want to start this over? You want to resume? Like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. It's just like you want to resume. It's like, well, what if I was at the very end credits? Like, what would you do then? Would I have to rewind? There's no, like, it's not like at the main, like, we were watching WALL-E. My kids and I were watching Mm WALL-E, which they were surprisingly into. I was Mm -hmm. not sure how that was going to go. Yeah. Um, And we watched WALL-E, and I just remember, and this is over, like, three days, you know? Sure. And and we're, every time we're at the main menu, I'm looking around, I'm like, there's no button to, like, hey, start from beginning. Hmm. So maybe there's something super intuitive, like, once you hit the end credits, they they know and they reset it, but sure. that doesn't cover every play scenario. So right. that's definitely something that Netflix and Amazon do way better so far. Sure, um, sure. No, yeah. that that's essential because yeah. I- imagine if it's a movie you haven't seen and like I don't know your spouse started it and then like stopped halfway through so that you guys could watch together and then you just hit play and it's like, Oh, well something got spoiled for me. Right. Like while I'm rewinding or whatever, like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, there was that. Um, but, uh, you know, I haven't gotten a lot of chance to explore, you know, it's the middle of the week and I've, I've been working these slammed weeks lately, but, um, but Mm -hmm. I got roped into something and I think, I think I might get roped into something. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody recommended The Mandalorian to me. Okay. And then I realized a- after that that The Mandalorian is, I believe, it's not like, it's, uh, and maybe Disney Plus won't do this. I don't know. I kind of hope they don't. I kind of hope they go like the Hulu route. Um, mm-hmm. The Mandalorian is, it's not like they've dropped a whole season. Yeah, they're doing one episode at a time. Right. So that alone took me from I don't care about this at all and by the time I would get around to watching it people would be finished already and talking about it and I would I wouldn't be into it. Yeah. And, and I think it's I think I think I get turned off by fanatic people yeah. of of you yeah. know I get turned off by fanaticism which is maybe that's rich coming from me as a Marvel fan but I don't mm-hmm. think I'm a fanatic about it. I just I sure. try to see them in theaters. I enjoy them whatever. But like the point is that fanaticism turns me off and I 
would have been repelled by people going like, oh, let's talk about season one of The Mandalorian like 48 hours after Disney Plus. Like, I haven't done anything right. because my job is to watch TV shows. Right. Um, and I would have been really like Ugh, about it. But the fact that it's you can only watch the first episode of it. Yeah. And that's and and, and the idea Here's the kicker. This is why I'm a bad person, Dustin. The kicker okay. is there's people out there right now who are kicking themselves that they can't watch the second episode. And I'm sitting here I like, know. I don't care at all. And I'm like, you know yep. what? Yep. In 38 minutes, I could be right where you are. And I don't give the smallest fuck. And, yep. and that just that just turns it's me great. right on. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, yep. I love that. Uh, and yep. so the the I don't think I can ignore uh, the temptation of that feeling. So I might start watching the Mandalorian <laughs> yeah, man. just to boost no, my self-esteem. So here's the weird thing. Like um, I was just talking um, the other day um, about star Wars and about the, the shows like Mandalorian and Obi-Wan and whatnot. Right. And, and the idea that like these, these series actually intrigue me more than the films. Yes. And, and it's weird because like the Mandalorian, like I don't care about Boba Fett. I think he's a, a dumb character that doesn't really even exist all the way. And, <laughs> and so I, ha I have no interest in him he's or like in the subject dream. of this. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, um, and you know, yeah. So I have no interest in that, but at the same time, I, I feel like telling a long form story, um, that just, it, that just intrigues me more, but I, maybe it's cause it's, it's just something new for the star Wars universe. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm more interested about those than, than about X or any of, you know, Ryan Johnson's series or anything like that. Yeah. I told this coworker because he, what he said was, I mean, it's like star Wars for adults. And I was like, Hmm, that, that intrigues me. It's such a simplistic, like, you know, I guess I'll take your word for it kind of endorsement. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know, just that, that summation appeals to me. And, and I think the biggest thing is that it's John Favreau. Sure. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, that, uh, the fact that it's him, it's his series. I don't know if he directs any of it or if he just directed the pilot or whatever. I'm sure he directed the pilot, mm -hmm. but um, if he directed that whole damn thing um, yeah. and we, you know, whatever it's getting, I, I, I want it to, and it can actually like subvert some things or give us some grounded sci-fi. Um, mm -hmm. I, I might be into that um, because I think that we both agree that one of the more interesting things that they could and should be doing with star Wars are the more, um, kind of boots on the ground type stories of these other characters, so many kinds of characters that could exist in this universe. And they don't have to be like chosen one Jedi. They can just be, you know, well, rat bastard people. See, but I, I would disagree. And here's why to me, the star Wars saga and, and maybe this is the wrong way to view it, but to me it's, it is the story of Luke Skywalker. It is the story of the Skywalkers in the same way that Harry Potter is the story of Harry Potter. Right. And, and just because you can tell another story set in the world doesn't mean that I care one iota about it because you, you, to me, they're wrapped up around the character. So to me, um, like the Star Wars prequels, they weren't that great because they didn't have anything to do with the characters that to me matter. And the reason that the the Disney films, I haven't really liked those is because they disregard the characters that matter. So it, it's the same reason why Fantastic Beasts doesn't really work because to me, the story is about Harry. The story is about Luke. The, that's mm -hmm. who this is about. So – 
That's actually a really good point. So, so saying to me like, oh, this is this takes place on another planet and that we've never seen before with characters we've never seen before, that's not inherently interesting because to me what made it so interesting in the first place was that it was Luke, is that it was Tatooine. And so – but at the same time, like um, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit like I don't want to just see Tatooine over and over and over. But at the same time, like I, I, it has to feel cohesive. And uh, I have a lot of a lot of gripes about the universe that Star Wars inhabits and how everyone thinks it's like this limitless, crazy world. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's literally just different planets. And the only way that, you know, they're different planets is that they have a different climate. Like, that's it. There's nothing (laughs) impressive about different climate. Look, it's ice. Look, it's fire. Look, it's desert. Right. Look, it's forest. Yeah. What if what if there's something that's, you know, not something that I've seen before? Wouldn't that be cool or whatever? But but the point is like, um, yeah, to me, to me, the stories are inherently interesting because of the character that that uh, has an emotional, um, satisfying character arc that impacts the world in a large way. It's the same thing with Lord of the Rings, right? Like you're, you're doing this Lord of the Ring, Amazon's doing this Lord of the Rings second age kind of story. Okay, fine, whatever. But to me, if it's not Bilbo and Frodo, it doesn't matter. Um, like right. that, that's the crux of the story to me because that's the one that the writer thought was the most important. Everything else is just like, ah, we'll go back to the well. Um, and, and, you know, to me, it, again, maybe a weird way to look at it, but to me, an omniscient writer who essentially is the God of this universe, who, who knows every story and every character has decided that Luke is the most interesting one to tell the story about. So, so why then in, in sequels or prequels or spinoffs or whatever, would I care about another one when the, the author decided who the most interesting was already? Um, so anyway, I don't know. It's a weird way to look at it, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the reason that Obi-Wan is the most interesting thing to me that they're doing is because Obi-Wan is a character that matters. He matters to Luke. He matters to the world that, that mattered to me originally. And, uh, and the, the Mandalorian is set in between three and four. So in a way it should be, you know, uh, like paving the way for Luke and so, or paving the way for, you know, the return of the Jedi. And so to me, that's interesting. Um, if only because it should and could tie somewhat into, you know, the, the, the story that, that matters. So I don't know, you know, I, I could get off on a really long thing about star Wars. Um, but I'll just leave it at that. I think that okay, so I think you're right about about the fact that the universe is essentially an extension or an expression of 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 the, the characters we care about in a sense that just like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, like the the world is just a very well realized um, setting for mm. for characters that we do care about, and the world being as 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 a uh, I'll just call it detailed for lack of a better word, but just as detailed as it is, is more just to give atmosphere to this character's significance in the whole, in the mm-hmm. big picture. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and I, and I, so I'll, I'll, I'll extend one of your points that, yeah, the, the temptation I guess can be like, well, the world's so well realized that I should do more with it outside of this character. And, and I guess you're right. The trap is that, you know, you, maybe you could do that, but the reason the world looks so well realized is because we're seeing it from the perspective of Harry Potter or Luke Skywalker or who was, or Frodo Baggins, you know, 
Um, if you step outside that character, there's other perspectives, but they're not nearly as interesting because this character's role in this world was a particular significance because all three of them were basically nobody yeah. in it. And <clears throat> I'll just say that there is a particular niche that the Mandalorian could possibly hit that I would have, that I would tolerate from Star Wars at this point, which is some form of like space Western that's not Firefly. That's, mm-hmm. that's a little more. And I know that we sort of touch on that, you know, th- like pretty much this idea that like, there is grounded sci-fi that you could tell within the Star Wars universe, but mm. it doesn't have a very long shelf life, um, and it could fit the format that the Mandalorian is in, depending on what story they are trying to tell here. Um, but I don't think that there's a film franchise to be built off of it or anything. Um, sure, for, sure. For, for, for which is definitely what I think Disney Plus and other streaming uh, platforms are good for is exploring these ideas that really should just be a miniseries. Um, yeah. Like this is obviously better done than in a film timeline, but mm. this shouldn't be like a six series, uh, you know, six season show. Right. Um, you know, we've just we've got an extended movie we'd like to tell here. Yeah, totally. No, um, I, I would agree. I would so agree. I might check the Mandalorian out. Um, yeah, I'm doing a bunch of other stuff right now, so maybe I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I love- I'll, I'll check it out eventually. I mean, I do intend on getting Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out the the specifics of that, like which which plan do I want? Because yeah. you know they've got the bundle with Hulu and ESPN, and I already have Hulu, but I wouldn't right. mind just bundling them together. Um, so w- once I can figure all that out, that out and and get through this busy season of work uh, yeah. where I actually have time to use the service I'm paying for, yeah, then, then I'll do it exactly. All right. Well, um, so speaking of that, we'll move, we'll move, uh, away from this topic. Just, uh, sure. let's talk. Okay. So got a couple of movies we wanted to try and squeeze in tonight. Um, yeah. so at this point, Joker has been out for how many weekends? I mean, let's see. Joker's been out for, uh, I think it came out at the beginning of October. Um, so it's probably been six weeks or so. Joker came out. Yeah, beginning of October, and it was number one for three weeks at the box office. This is mm-hmm. Joker's seventh week. Okay. And the box. Sure. Let me just look at the weekend box office. Joker right now is at number six, and it is the sixth week. Okay. Or we just had the sixth week. So by the time this is going to air on Friday, so this will be the seventh weekend for for Joker. Um, wow, Terminator Dark Fate is already. Uh, we had a lot of. Wait a minute. Do we have a lot of? We had a lot of um, releases over the weekend that took over the top spots. Um, mm-hmm. Terminator and Joker got knocked out, but they're only being beaten by like $2 million by by last Christmas, playing yeah. with fire, Dr. Sleep, and Midway. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, who knows? It could, it could reclaim. I mean, it's made a lot of money, and you finally saw right. it. Yeah. Well, I, I saw, I saw it uh, opening weekend, I believe. Oh, sorry. You're right. Oh, you were here's okay. I remember what happened. You were working. Uh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think. I think. I. Uh, I have not podcasted since I've seen it, except for last week, and yeah, we had other things to discuss last week. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a little while. Um. But interestingly enough, uh, this film is now the most profitable comic book film of all time and people are mis are misunderstanding that some people yes. i've heard i've seen at least a couple people going like in your face avengers it's like okay 
Right. Apples right. and oranges, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, Apples yep. and and crazy, crazy oranges. Yeah. Because it has a what is it like a fifty five million? It's a middle budget film. It's like fifty five million, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. And it has made. Let me see. I see it's made th- about three thirteen million domestically. What's nine hundred ninety four million? Wow. Worldwide. So it'll crack. So, it's going to crack a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It may very well. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It really is. I love it. I love that though. Yeah. I mean, this is it's an R-rated great. film that's that yeah. has cinematic, you know, cred. Um, yeah. you know, and it's based on a comic book character. Um, the depiction of which, from all accounts, seems realistic of an individual such as that. Mm-hmm. So it seems like true to what what a person like this may actually act and feel like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just that's that's really interesting, and I'm glad for its success because that's that's important. I think. I mean, I, again, we're about to talk about the quality of the film, I guess, but just in terms of sure. the type of film it is and the and the the legitimacy it's receiving, um, that's as good as, you know, that's encouraging in terms of Deadpool's release and Logan's release in particular, you know, yeah. movies that are made with a, a little bit more of a serious and grounded aesthetic. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad that they have an audience um, and that they're, the audience is paying money because that's yeah. the only thing the studios are ever going to listen to is this weekend yeah. box office. Right. And, and um yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. So uh, we were just talking last week about the disappearance of the middle budget film yeah. that um, you know Hollywood seems to be wanting to uh, spend loads of money to make loads of money. Yeah, um, but they're not very interested anymore. It seems in spending out a little bit of money to make a little bit of money, yeah. or or a little to make a lot even. Um, and partially, you know, that's understandable because you can spend any amount of money and like, you know, you spend the $55 million and something could just completely flop and you make nothing back, right? You, you're in the hole. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, you know, I understand why they would want to avoid that. Um, but it seems like what they've done is just sort of run to the hills of um, these these huge tentpole movies that they can pour millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into because they know they'll get the return on investment, right? Like a Transformers or uh, a Marvel movie um, because they have a track record where it's proven that they'll get their money back. So something like this, um, there's there's no – uh, there's no proof for this. This was a risk. This was a gamble. Um, and uh, Warner Brothers even co-financed this film with another company because they were worried for that very reason. Um, and it being an R-rated movie with a grounded take, they can't even really sell merch. If, if you if you stop and realize, <laughs> like, there are no Joker T-shirts. There are no Joker Funko Pops. Like, that doesn't exist. Um, they didn't invest any in the merchandising for this. There's not an action figure. There's nothing. Um, and that's all by design um, because I think they were worried how about putting money into this because what if it flopped? What if it did nothing? Um, so the fact that it's doing as well as it is, to me, maybe that signals the return of the mid- middle budget film or even that uh, comic book films – might exist in a, in a way where we can do a middle budget comic book film and make a good bit of money off of it and kind of keep it grounded and a, a little more, um, uh, let the director have a little more authorship over it. Yeah. 
Um, and, and I think that that, so that's a good thing because you can do that with a number of different properties. I mean, I mean, uh, if we want to talk about like something like the transformers series, I just recently saw Bumblebee and, and the, the thing about that film is they spent significantly less money making that movie than the other transformers films. Um, and it made, it made a good profit because it, it, you don't have to spend a, bil- a billion dollars to make two billion dollars. I mean, in the film you, is 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 you would almost say like just as entertaining as any of the Michael Bay films, in as much as in terms of like actual tension, like there's a lot more going on visually in Michael Bay's movies. Yeah, but there's a lot less like character tension, I think. Whereas I, I would say Bumblebee is the better film. Yeah, it is better a, it is a better film, and I think that, I think part of the reason why is just because I just feel like I have this idea of efficiency in in films, and I feel like if you're going to spend that much money and put that much on the screen, and I'm sort of just numb. Like maybe I like looking at it because it's it's gorgeous to look at, or it's or it's fancy or colorful to look at, you know. And there's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, and and a lot of visual effects artists really worked hard on it. But in the end, Bumblebee was efficient with its budget, efficient with its storytelling, efficient with its visual effects, and it was filmed. Yeah. I'm not going to say more competently because I, I I do respect Michael Bay as a filmmaker, absolutely. Hmm. Um, but uh, who? Oh God, I, I don't think it's a big name director who did who did Bumblebee, wasn't it? Um, oh, the guy who did. I oh God, he did like oh, something else. Damn it, I don't know. Um, but. That that director just did a was more efficient and more economic with Bumblebee, into where you got the same amount or greater excitement out of it on a smaller scale. And like yeah. the only way that works is expectations. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so I, I think this is good. I think it's good that this is as profitable as it is. Um, maybe it'll it'll allow the studios to be a little more inventive. Um, so I'm thinking specifically if, if we're just going to stick with DC for a second, um, you know, something like a, uh, a blue beetle, uh, booster gold buddy comedy, right? Like nobody's ever heard of those characters, but if you I haven't see, heard of those characters, <laughs> it, they're, but they're great. They're great characters. Um, and, and if you sink, say, you know, 40, $50 million into it, you get good you know, visual effects, you get good, you know, cinematic, uh, storytelling. However, uh, you, you could, you could make a good bit of money. And if DC would do what Marvel did and build a brand, build their brand for consistency, then, then you really have something golden where you can say, Hey, this is the same studio that made Joker and that's enough. Right. Right. Even, even if there's no other creatives between the two, you can just say, well, it's a DC film and DC means quality. Right. Right. And so and so you put a forty five million dollar movie in theaters and turn one hundred and fifty million dollars or three hundred million dollars or whatever. And it's all good because, you know, you, you didn't spend that much. And so it, it all works to build the brand and it all works to, um, you know, just just kind of build this house where then you do a sequel and it's even bigger and even better. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a long game that you have to play here. If you're only interested in making a billion dollars right now, 
that's a short-sighted way of looking at things. It, and, it is, uh, yeah. and, it, and it's a little bit like whoring out the property. Like even, I mean, even even Disney is taking a risk on the Marvel movies because there's a market for it. And you know, as as good as those films turn out, there is still this this underlying gross feeling of of you know they're rolling the dice on this to make money, and yeah. they're willing to because the potential for a good film is there. Um, yeah. and, and, and the creatives who are at the helm want it to be good, but there yeah. still is this, I mean, every, it's, it's almost like this weird, like we almost forget it's there sometimes, but the, the cynical will always point it out. And then we get tired of hearing the cynics, like, you know, just pointing out, Oh, it's all for money. It's like, well, of course it is. Cause it's a business. And then there's mm-hmm. also, but there is this pure feeling of like, Oh, like there's just, there's this weird, this weird presence of not, I don't want to say profit, but like this weird presence of, of um, this is okay because we say it's okay, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I've got an idea about that later. I guess I can I can talk about this. That reminds me of something I was reading today. But but uh, but I'm I'm happy for the success of any any middle budget film. And I do th- I I agree with you. I think that it's potentially really good for certain kinds of stories to be told um, from comic books, the more mature ones, like movies like Watchmen and 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 Joker and Logan. Like there are stories that 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 have a little bit more mature themes, a little bit darker themes, more morally ambiguous themes, mm-hmm. um, uh, controversial themes. And mm-hmm. those are explored in graphic novels and comic books and things that like that, that the public can get their hands on. And so yeah. this, that stupid controversy of the idea that like this film is, is triggering in and activating incels to go like, you know, commit bad crimes. It's like, first of all, ideas are out there already. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, the the psychosis of this character and 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 other villains are accessible and and available um, to the public. In you know, the, the film reflects reality. I mean, that's part of what it, what's what's scary about about characters like Arthur Fleck is like. There's people out there who are. I mean, he's a reflection of like what people are capable of. Yeah, you totally. know. Yeah, exactly. I haven't even seen the damn film and I know all this. <laughs> you know, like I, right, 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 you right. You know, like that's it's it's just because it's common sense to me. It's it, I I don't want to talk about the controversy, but like that was also stupid when it came out. It's like this is it's ridiculous. This is not causing. I mean, you had Joaquin Phoenix, who's like never, who's the last time he was in like the news was when he was doing his his documentary where he mm. pretended to be a rapper. You know. And yeah. and that was like performance art. That wasn't even like a controversial thing he thought or said. And like all of a sudden, I see his name in the headlines for like the first time in fifteen years. I'm like, what's what's going on? And I read it, and it's just like I can't believe Joaquin Phoenix is the guy who's having to be like, hey, um, it's not our responsibility to teach people good and evil, you know? Right, um, right. It's nuts. Did you did you like the movie? What would you get? What would, what would your star rating be? Uh, I w- I would give this four stars. All right. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, yeah, I, I had a good time with it. So, um, a quick little recap, um, of the, the film itself. So, um, like, like Hooper mentioned, um, Joaquin Phoenix plays Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck is sort of a down on his luck, uh, out of work clown. Um, he, he's a clown for hire essentially. So you, you might hire him to kind of promote your business on the sidewalk. Um, and, and so that's sort of what he does. He gets beat up one day and, uh, you know, because of this, it kind of sets this 
spiral into motion in which Arthur just starts to be flushed down the toilet. Uh, one thing after another starts to go wrong with him. His world begins to cave in on itself and, uh, and his mind starts to break. Um, maybe not for the first time, but his mind starts to break. And what happens is a transformation and a birth of this creature, this, uh, completely, uh, completely immoral and unhinged creature. And, uh, Joaquin Phoenix does this phenomenally. The, the, there are two characters here that he's playing. It's a dual role. It's a Clark Kent Superman, but in this case, it's Arthur, a broken man and Joker, a murderer. And the victim and, you have, and the empowered. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it is, um, a true metamorphosis that happens in this film. And true metamorphoses are uh, are rare in superhero films. Typically, it's the illusion of change rather than actual change. But here, there is an actual change that happens to this character, and you can't help but feel uneasy and a little bit frightened and a little bit on his side about things. Mm. It's a very weird thing. I, 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 again, I always seem to compare this to uh, Breaking Bad, but here, here, here goes. Um, Breaking Bad and Joker are similar in that they will test your allegiance to your protagonist. Um, how long is it before you can't root for him anymore? And that's the question that's being asked here. Not only that, but but I think maybe the more important thing that's being asked here is how do we treat and what do we do with people who are suffering from mental disability, uh, people who have mental illness and need help? How are we prepared to help them? Right. And 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 what are we actually doing in our real world? to to locate these people and give them the help that they need. The answer the film posits is really nothing. Uh, we we we're, hurt. We're, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, we we hurt. We don't help. Yeah. And 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 that's um you know, I mean, you could say, well, we're seeing this through the the eyes of a damaged person, so of course we would uh, see it that way. But I think that that's what Todd Phillips, the writer director, is trying to get at: is that that we don't we don't care, we don't right. look at these people as being people. Yeah, we look at them as monsters and as freaks and as outcasts before they ever do anything that would make them violent. Um, and, and so how, how culpable are we in their degradation? And I think that that's a really interesting thing to bring up. Now, uh, the film, uh, I will say probably thinks it's a little bit smarter than it is. Um, it, it has this air of, I don't want to say pretension because it's not pretentious. It just has this like morally uh, superior, maybe. Yeah, it has this feeling that like we're the smart comic book movie. Uh, we're the we're the one that like we're taking this seriously. Right. Right. This could be real. And and it and it 
and it is right there. It's not an unwarranted thing, uh, but I don't think that's as important as uh, as the film would let on, because I, I feel like even with a fictional world and even with something that feels as uh, completely detached from real life as something like a, a Marvel movie or or any of DC's other films, um could in fact be as culturally relevant and as much of a mirror of our real life as this. Um, so I don't think this is unique in that this is the only comic book film to depict reality um, because other films do it too. It's just more in you know allegory um, than this, which feels more real. Right. Um, so I don't I don't think it's as important as it as it is sort of made out to be. But at the same time, it is it is smart and it is uh, good and 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 it's um, it, it's telling us things. It's making a statement, right? And and so if if you want to get into the weeds of what is and is not cinema, um, perhaps this is cinema because it's making a stance and it is attempting to pull us to the side of the filmmakers and say, let's persuade you that we are correct in our worldview. So um, in that way, maybe this is more uh, of what Martin Scorsese is looking for. Sure. Because it makes an artistic statement. Um, well, but and it makes having a statement about about a, about a topic that that people are not like everyone agrees good is good and evil is evil and yeah, maybe Martin yeah. Scorsese's point about Marvel movies is that part of what he doesn't like about them is there are no like moral stakes because the sure. because the values that we that should be upheld are very clear and sure. very very obvious and up you know and so there's no like there's no challenging the viewer about much um, yeah. whereas in a film like this you have a subject that. Um, whether or not people want to recognize it, like there is a way we all look at the homeless or the mentally ill and, you know, whether you think that they did it to themselves or that they're victims, you know, the idea that, yeah. well, like it or not, we're not helping these people and, yeah. and we need to recognize that. I mean, that is something to say that people may or may not be ready to hear. And it's a filmmaker yeah. and a, and a group and a team of, of, of creatives who, who, who want to say that and, and tell that story through this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a scene in this film where Arthur goes to his, um, his counselor and, and the counselor, uh, just straight up tells him, look, the city's cutting funding for me. So this is the last time you're going to see me. Oh. And, and on top of that, uh, she hasn't proven to be a really great counselor because he, he brings in these, these messed up journals. She asked him to keep a journal and you know, it's like a, it's like a, a murderer, murderer journal. journal. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and she's just like, well, all right, you know, this seems weird, but she doesn't really <laughs> offer much in terms of actual help. Right. Um, it's more like, well, I'll be here when, you know, if you want to talk about things, but I mean, that's about it. Like she's just an ear. And, and as good as that can be for some people, there are some people that need more. And, 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 and so not only was she not equipped to, to handle someone like him, but then the city takes her away from him. Right. And, you know, and so, so, you know, there are really some 
interesting and real real world applications for this film. Um, in terms of the film itself, um, it's well directed. It's well written. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is a a master at roles like this. I love uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He's so good, man. And it's so crazy um, that he can go from something like this and 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 do something like Walk the Line, right, where he's like America's country music right, sweetheart. Right, right. But but I mean, even in even in Walk the Line, I mean, he's got those eyes, and there's yeah. some of those moments where he's strung out, and it's just like there's a darkness to this them, actor. Them, them cocaine eyes. Uh huh. And 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 he brings that here. So not only did Joaquin really go through a, a metamorphosis in terms of his his approach to these two characters, but he's also gone through a physical change. Um, there's quite a few. Uh, he spends quite a bit of this film with his shirt off, um, and and you can see All his right. skeletal structure. Oh. Like he brings such a physicality to this. I think you and I talked once about Joker yeah. um, as a character in, in comparison to Batman. Yeah, um, he should that, be very that, thin. Yeah, that that we don't really want a Joker who's like I can fight you and hold right. my own, Batman. No, like this this is the physicality I, you and I have always wanted from see, the Joker. I don't want to see Joker eat ever. I don't like to yeah. imagine that he needs food. Like I, right. it's just if I I could write a pretty detailed like show bible about what the Joker should look like, what his apartment would look, like, you know, like whatever. Like right, I could tell you what I think he should look like, and and it sounds like this is pretty close to it. It's just messy. Yeah. Like the the nicest thing he owns is probably that damn suit. You know, yeah, but he, 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 he doesn't own a television scotch and cigarettes. Right. Yeah. 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 Cigarette. Yeah, exactly. But there's no like you never see him like eating eggs or or mm. drinking water. You know, <laughs> he doesn't. Right. Exactly. You know, you just you don't want you don't want to think of him think of him as a person that needs sustenance because that, that just reminds you that he's a human being. Right. Um, which, you know, the point of this film is like this is supposed to it, it's a fundamental depiction of the Joker that that's it's very intentional is. We want to show the Joker as a product of society. Like there's something yes. there to begin with that has the potential to be a sociopath, but it's it's ultimately the system that fails him and yeah. and turns him into and, and or and allows him, you know, does not catch him, provide him a safety net, and so he falls and becomes this monster. And it's yeah. very much putting the onus on society and and public mental health awareness yeah. for creating people like Joker. Whereas in the comics, it's much more just like, he's like this, this crazy person that's mm -hmm. just sort of shows or just up a force of nature, right? He's just a force of nature. It's, it's not yeah. really, you know, it's not trying to make a statement about psychiatry or mental health. It's just, this is yeah. a person who can't be, who, who can't be like bribed or deterred from his goals mm -hmm. by, you know, like, here, how about this? How about this, this sex? You want some sex? Like, just don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't be bad. Like, you know, here's, here's a person who will love you or here's this, or here's, here's like, you know, $10 million. Like you don't have to be bad anymore. He's just like, Oh no, but I, I like chaos. I don't, right. I don't need the things that you need. You know, I don't need food. I don't need sex. I don't need money. I just, I need to cause I need to fuck some shit up and <laughs> well see and and this is what's so interesting so so what you're describing is is sort of an ideal joker and and it's what I would have loved to see and it's really pretty darn close to what Heath Ledger is in in the dark knight um 
but so so in terms of comparing this Joker to comics Joker, uh, the biggest difference is that there is no Batman here. Um, the the other sort of main difference is is we're always seeing the Joker. Um, we're we're used to seeing the Joker as sort of like this storm that just rolls into town without warning. He does what he does, and then he's gone again. And and you don't know when he's going to show back up. He just rolls into town, does his thing and goes, uh, this Joker lives in Gotham. This Joker eats in Gotham. He, he has family in Gotham. He has friends in Gotham. He is in Gotham. And, um, and, and it's a very new way of looking at the Joker. And as such, there's really pretty much nothing about this Joker that is pulled from the comics. Um, like you said, he's a product of society. That's not typically the way that we see the Joker in the comics. And, you know, Arthur Fleck, well, that's made up for this film. Yeah. That's never been uh, a pseudonym for the Joker in the comics. Um, you, you, you never see Joker's mother in the comics. This this is all completely fabricate, fabricated but for we, the film. We talked, about, we talked about when this movie was first even being taught, like announced, you and I both said, this can work, if, especially if you're a fan of the comics, this can work if if you treat it like an Elseworlds or like a what if yeah. type of story yeah. where like, okay, we can't be bothered that it has nothing to do with the canon. It's just a, it's a, it's a social experiment. Like we're going to take a character you're familiar with, but we're going to give him a, a different reason for being. So, and this is, this is what's, what's interesting because normally I would sort of rail against that, right? Like, like that's what I would want this to be. But at the same time, I would say like, that's going to be a strike in the, I don't like this column because, because I want the Joker that I that I know, right? Like I want that to be, uh, I want there to be continuity between the Joker of my mind and the Joker I'm watching on screen. But I don't think that ever could have worked here. Um, and and it, in fact, it's one of the things I loved about it because for the first time in a long time, I was able to see a superhero film that I knew just as much as anybody else. It, I, I had no. A point of reference to say like, ooh, well, ooh, in the comics, this is what happens here. Like, because I don't know, this isn't this isn't a story from any comic. Um, this is completely new. So um, I, I went in knowing just as much as you know, like I don't know, my grandfather would know going into this movie. Um, so so that's um, that was enjoyable to me. Um, it, it also so th there are uh, there are characters from the Batman mythos in this film, right? Thomas Wayne. That's not a surprise. Thomas Wayne is in this film. Um, we see him through the Joker's eyes. So we're seeing a Thomas Wayne that's a little bit different than the Thomas we're used to seeing, right? Like the Nolan Thomas Wayne um, was all about like, you know, Bruce's eight years old and he's like teaching life lessons to his son because he loves his son. This, this Thomas Wayne uh, is probably only helping Gotham because it makes him look good. Um, there, there's really nothing redeemable about this particular Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, again, typically that would be a knock on the film for me. I, I would say, I don't like this. This is too weird, but for some reason here, it really worked. Right. And I really enjoyed the, the, the fact that it was disconnected and, and here's what I kind of 
would wrap this up as saying to me, it would be so believable if, I mean, they shouldn't do a sequel to this. I'm just going to get that out of the way. But if they do a sequel to this film, it would make complete and total sense for them to set it in a different decade with a different look for the Joker. Uh, say it could be Joaquin Phoenix, but like a different look and a different sort of feel to it. And, and these are all like anthology films and it's like, you know, the Joker's whole multiple choice origin story thing. Um, if this was just like a story that the Joker we know has been telling, right? Like none of it's real. None of it exists. It's just him telling a story. Like to me, that that's how this movie felt. There, there's nothing to suggest that. There, it's not like there's a post-credit scene where we see like Joker and Batman and a thing, and and he's like, "That's how I came to be, Batman." Right. You know, there, there's nothing like that. But but to me, this is so removed from everything that I know of the Batman world that it would make sense that an unhinged mind would have told me this story. Um, and so to me, that's why I was sort of able to let it go and just say, this is just a completely different story. Maybe it's because the Joker is telling me this story. So, so it makes no sense. Why, why is, why is Bruce Wayne eight years old and the Joker's already, already, you know, fully grown right. because the Joker doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman and doesn't even care. So why would he you know, like bother to make Bruce Wayne age appropriate or whatever, because his mind is just pulling all these different names and places and things and shoving them all together in this one story that the Joker is crafted. And maybe that's super meta and it like goes over your heads because I'm not explaining it right because my brain is a, is a web of ridiculousness. But, um, but to me, like, that's probably why I was able to let this go. Because if you just stop and say everything I'm seeing, I'm seeing through the eyes of a madman, then, then if it doesn't make sense to what I know Gotham city to be, well, yeah, because a madman is telling me that. Um, so I was able to let that go and I really enjoyed it because of it. So four stars, um, weirdly enough, like I'm going to buy this on Blu-ray day one. I can't wait to see it again. Um, again, there shouldn't be a sequel, but at the same time, if they made a sequel, okay, I'm down. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think, um, if you are at all interested, it's worth your time. If you're just interested to see what Joaquin Phoenix does in this role, which I think you should be, um, then go see this film. Excellent. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that you like it because I, I I'm definitely interested in seeing. I was going to check it out, but I'm glad that it's yeah. it succeeds on all those levels. Yeah. Cool. Well, then let's let's end this one here, and then yeah. So that'll be the movie hour this week. Um. So yeah, we'll be back uh, next week and um, Thanksgiving as well. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Okay. Cool. Let's just do that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see you again soon. Sounds Very soon. Good.